0: all right well welcome in everyone to uh the next episode of of crossword uh we are now on episode nine of crossword and uh today we're we're here with uh luke mastervick let's go ahead and say hi luke
1: hey everybody hey tim
0: uh, and we're back in Hebrews again for our series in Hebrews, and we're looking at chapter 7. As promised, we're looking over um, Melchizedek and, and uh, the order of Melchizedek. And kind of before we get into this, I wanted to, to spend a little bit of time in, in some opening thoughts. Um, first of all, I, I wanted to address why it is that this is important because it's easy for us to look at the book of hebrews and say you know it was it was written to a bunch of of well hebrews or or jews who were um the authors afraid they were going back into judaism um and you know that's that's all well and good but really what does this have anything to do with me and now we're jumping into a section where the author is going to start talking about things like uh, the priestly order over the next couple chapters the sacrificial system and uh, of course the it's a fair question to ask you know why why is this important to me what why do i need to know all this and i i think one of the the big things to remember is that the author isn't simply just talking about those things as separate but is really bringing them into a context of why they're important to us in the, in the, the aspect of, of why they are important in the context of Christ, which, of course, for us is really important. And though we as Gentiles 2,000 years later from Christ don't necessarily, well, I, I shouldn't say we're all Gentiles, maybe some of you listening aren't, So uh, that's, that's a fair statement, but um, for those of us uh, doing this podcast, me and Luke, we're definitely Gentiles. Um, So why is that, that important to us? Well, it really is, is important in trying to understand the story of, of scripture and that's, that's something that's really important here at Crossword. That's, that's one of the things we want to to try and, and flesh out is, is really this understanding that Scripture is not just a collection of books that were brought together uh, to under the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They're not just a bunch of random books written by a bunch of different people over hundreds of years. They really are. A, a a continuous story and they tell they tell a story they they tell um uh, a picture if you will and it really is i have said before that that scripture can really kind of be summed up in three words which is god with us and that's really the the push of of scripture of of what it's trying to express it, it starts out with god with us in eden um, it goes into our fall and our separation from God. Then it goes into God with um, you know, Noah, God with Abraham, God with the patriarchs, God with uh, the nation of Israel when he delivers them from, uh, from Egypt, God with his people in the tabernacle, then God with his people in the temple, God with his, his people in exile, and then God with us in person, in Emmanuel, in Jesus Christ, and then onto God with us in the Holy Spirit indwelling us, and then God with us ultimately uh, in in uh, in heaven, uh, in in the millennial kingdom, and, and then heaven. And so, really, that's that's the crux of of Scripture. And so, this all fits in into that that story of Scripture, and and why it's important is is there's there's a story being told here. And Jesus, when he taught on earth, uh, he often used um, pictures, used um, uh, images, he would, the kingdom of of God is is like this, or, um, you know, my love for uh, the lost is, is like this, or he would use these pictures, these images. And so, when we come into uh, a scriptural study at least when we're talking about stuff like this that we're going to be talking about with Melchizedek there's a word that gets thrown around like type uh, or a type or a shadow Um, and so what that is essentially is no one is denying that any of this literally happened of course it did um, we believe that, that Melchizedek was definitely a literal person. You can read about him in Genesis. Um, he, he very much was a real person. And yet the author of Hebrews here is going to describe how though a very, how a l- very literal man was a, a type or a shadow or a picture of the great high priest, King priest, which would be coming, which is Christ. Um, did you have any preliminary kind of open thoughts there, Luke, that you wanted to go over?
1: Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I want to thank you again, Tim, for having me on the podcast. It's always a delight and a blessing to to be here. Um, it's an honor. Um, you know, I, we had some dialogue prior to today's Mm -hmm. podcast and I want to share with your viewers, the same thing that you and I talked in part. And that was the fact that when it comes to this order of Melchizedek or who Melchizedek is, um, as I shared with you, um, you know, there's, I, I really don't know a whole lot about, uh, Melchizedek, uh, and up until recently, uh, really knew really pretty much nothing about the, uh, person of Melchizedek. And so, yep. um, there will be some of our, viewers listening in that are like well and you've already shared that this is important to us um but some would say what does this matter why does it matter that we know about this person called melchizedek or the order of melchizedek and and that is a good question it's a fair question definitely Uh, yeah absolutely and um and so uh the primary reason uh why we need to know uh who this person was, is because in Second Timothy three sixteen, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so, uh, number one, the reason why it's important and that we study this and dig deep and see what the Scriptures are telling us is because it's part of the canon of Scripture. Absolutely, because it's part of the infallible, inerrant word of God. And so God put it there for a reason as he does with any of, uh, the scriptures. And so that's the the primary reason. Um, now I don't know how far you want us to get into this, but some other preliminary thoughts as well is that, um, when we come to uh, Melchizedek, uh, that name actually means King of Righteousness. And uh, so, uh, as we see, and we're gonna, I know we're going to delve further into that as far as how that correlates to the person of Christ, which, by the way, uh, there are, it's my estimation and my understanding that there are four uh, viewpoints on who Melchizedek was. Uh, number one, and, and this is true, and you've already stated this, Tim, is that it is uh, solely or strictly a picture and a type. And indeed, Melchizedek is a picture in a type, uh, but some believe that it's only that. Uh, there's another option, and that is some believe that this is a, a, a pre incarnate appearance of Christ. That is a possibility, um, and so that is definitely an option. Uh, the third option, and you and I both subscribe to this, uh, is that he was a real man that was not the God man. He was not the second person of the Trinity. Uh, again still a picture and a type but there's actually a fourth one uh that i didn't really know um until even more recently as opposed to the rest of the views and that is that some subscribe and believe to the fact that he was actually shem one of noah's sons and so i was actually kind of shocked by that but that is actually believe it or not another option i don't adhere to that but but there are those that uh, that do.
0: That's a new one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so either way you slice it, um, we do see the correlation, the connections between Melchizedek and the person of Christ. And um, some would suggest because the word Melchizedek actually means king of righteousness. I believe I already said that. And of course, Christ's kingdom is not of this world. He is the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, who, who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, he never knew sin. He didn't sin. He couldn't mm-hmm. sin. Uh, he was without without blemish, and um, and so when we look at the fact that some actually say, well, how in the world could Jesus be labeled as a priest? Because if you look at the history of the Levitical priesthood and knowing that. In order to be a priest, you had to be of the tribe of Levi. Well, then, see, well, okay, I can understand about Jesus being the king aspect. He's a, a king and a priest, but Jesus was of the tribe of Judah, the Davidic line, okay, the kingly line. But when we look in this, and I know we're going to look in this in a few moments, is that, he, that Melchizedek was actually superior to... To Abraham. And we'll delve into that. But as we see that Jesus is our great high priest, and by the way, in Melchizedek being superior to Abraham, and when you also look at the fact that the descendants of Levi were through Abraham, and Melchizedek is superior to him, but Christ is superior to Moses. He's superior to Abraham and he's superior to Melchizedek. He is the son of God, God in the flesh. And so there's tons of correlations and we're going to delve into that. I know momentarily.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. So uh, speaking of let's, let's get right into it. So uh, the first section here for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the Kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a 10th part of everything. He is first by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem. That is king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the son of God, he continues a priest forever. So just getting off there right at the beginning, um, Hmm. if if you're familiar if you're if you're not familiar with the story of of melchizedek uh, it goes back into genesis um, just after um, lot gets captured and abraham draws up 300 men from his uh, servants from his uh, household and goes and basically defeats um, some Kings and, and, and brings lot back. And this man named Melchizedek, the King of Salem comes out and greets him and brings out bread and wine and then blesses him. And during this exchange, uh, Abraham tithes uh, what he has to Melchizedek out of, out of respect for who he is. Uh, because it says that he is a priest of the most High God. And if I'm not mistaken, actually, um, this passage in Genesis is the first time, not the only time, but is the first time that God is referred to as the most High God, that someone refers to God as the most high God. And so that that kind of speaks a little bit to how Melchizedek saw God. Um, he He wasn't just a God by saying that he was the most high God, he was acknowledging that he is the creator God, that he is the yeah. one true God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just like statements um, in, you know, Deuteronomy, uh, I, the Lord, your God, am one. Uh, he is one God, um, the most high God. So it, it's not a statement that he is greatest among many, but that he is singularly the most, the one God. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that speaks a little bit to, Uh, malchizedek's character but uh yeah so we get the description of of the uh the names there that he is king of righteousness and and king of peace uh the word salem uh, similar to the word shalom um also and i i i don't know that the connection is necessarily there um, I have read that, that the word Salem is actually a transliteration. So it may not strictly break down into Hebrew how we would like to see it do that. Uh, but in my mind, from the sound, anyways, it's also very similar to the word Selah, uh, which is to pause and reflect. Um, but, anyways, uh, where a lot of us might get um, the hint from Salem is uh, the name of the capital city in Israel would one day be jerusalem right right. um and there's a lot of people that believe that that this salem is the same place that will one day become jerusalem right um so that's uh kind of where it's it's one of the biggest things that i derive that uh malchizedek was a a a man not a pre-incarnate christ i don't have a problem necessarily with him being a pre-incarnate christ but right. to me, if he was the king of a city, of a very literal city, which he was, yeah, um, it seems pretty he would he would have to have had, you know, uh, a whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only time that we ever read Christ having a real life is, you know, when he was Jesus. Right. Uh, so I, I think that would be a very complex um, pre-incarnation. And I, I think a, a very that would throw wrenches into Philippians where it says he humbled himself and put on the form of man. Um, Mm -hmm. So unless you subscribe uh, to the fact that Salem uh, is not a physical place, that it's, it's just a concept, which I suppose it could have be, could have been. But I I think the implication there is that it's a very physical place. Right. Um, So uh, did you have any uh, thoughts on, on that stuff?
1: Yeah, and, and as far as the word Salem, because I, I was looking that up as well, and mm-hmm. my understanding is that it, it's, um, it means perfect or complete peace. Mm-hmm. And okay. the correlation uh, as far as Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, and mm-hmm. that not only do we have uh, the peace of God, but we are at peace with God, that mm-hmm. we are no longer enemies of God, um, that we are his children that uh, we have been reconciled to God, relationship restored. um, And uh, again, which is, by the way, uh, the second reason why this is so important for us to to dig into this portion of scripture and connecting passages of scripture that are connected to Hebrews 7, uh, because uh, it reminds us of our high priest, of our redeemer, of our salvation, our great salvation that of God's amazing grace, His mercy, um, that He has bestowed upon all those that uh, have put their faith and trust in Him, or ever will come to saving faith in Christ, and and so as it's been wisely said many times, maybe in different ways, uh, but that we as Christians uh, need to constantly proclaim the gospel to our own selves and as I've said many a time before, about how humbling that is to us and how uh, we are conformed and transformed more to the person of Christ. And so why is it important? Again, number one, because it's in the canon of scripture. And number two, because it reminds us of our great salvation that we did not deserve, that we are totally and are totally unworthy of. But God, as Ephesians 1 has declared to us, he has lavished us with pure grace
0: yep yeah. um i just had two more little things before we get out of this section uh for one um it does say that that he has uh, neither father nor mother or genealogy neither beginning uh of days nor end of life right um that's not a statement saying that that he's still alive today <laughs> <laughs> um it's just a statement saying that that stuff's not listed in, in uh genesis which in the book of genesis is quite a thing because i mean Mm -hmm. genesis is full of things like genealogies and whatnot and the the author is is pointing out here that in a book full of genealogies in a book full of patriarchs uh, where someone who is as we're going to see greater than the greatest hebrew patriarch abraham Yeah. Um, For him to not have any genealogy, no history, no anything given, just this small little section in scripture, that's intentionally put in there. Uh, The fact that he has no listed genealogy, no beginning, no end of days, anything like that,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. it's not to say that he didn't have those things. But what it is saying is that because it's not listed in scripture, it's not listed on purpose by the Holy Spirit in order to make this connection. That just as Melchizedek, who was a priest and a king, yes. had no beginning, um, had no end, so Christ will be the Alpha and Omega, that's the right. beginning and the end, um, the first and the last, um, yes. the eternal one. Melchizedek is just a picture of yes. the one who is truly eternal. So that's that's the first thing I wanted to bring up. The second thing I wanted to bring up is yes. I know you are all excited for this because it's everybody's favorite topic. We're going to talk a little bit about tithing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we don't have to spend a whole lot of time here, but I do want to bring up a couple of things. First of all, if you are giving 10% because you're saying to yourself, I'm giving 10% of what I have to the Lord because it's his, you're doing it wrong. Mm. If you are giving, if you're arguing with yourself, arguing with other people on whether you need to be giving 5%, 10%, 15%, 20%, you're doing it wrong. Mm. The point of tithing as the, the Hebrews understood it. And as we see in this passage is not a statement of out of my wealth, I'm giving 10% to the Lord. It's a statement. It's, it's an image. It's a, it's a, it's a, a symbol saying that everything I have belongs to you. That everything I have belongs to God. And this portioning off of 10%. Let me let me put it this way: God doesn't need your money. He's not going to go poor. I promise you. That's right. We serve we serve a God who makes things out of nothing, out of nothing. That's where this whole creation came from. It was void. It was empty. And he took a handful of void emptiness and made a universe out of it. He's not going to go poor. He doesn't need your money. Tithing is not about, you know, feeding the beast or, or giving to to God because you think he's going to go poor. No, rather the institution of tithing was instituted to remind you where it all comes from is to free you from the shackles of ownership it's to show you in the giving so In that sense, if you're doing it with a right heart, reminding yourself of where this comes from in thankfulness, it doesn't matter whether you give 5%, 10%, 15%, 20%. It doesn't matter. The point is you understand where it comes from. And in thanksgiving, you give a portion of it to remind yourself and to free yourself from dependency on that so that the Lord can bless you. Even in times when you don't have plenty, to give you more. It's not, it's not a giving to get back. It's not a giving to fulfill a duty or, or a mandate. It should be a reminder, a symbol that everything we have comes from God and that's, the, yeah, sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, sorry, Tim, that, uh, that correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't see anywhere in the new Testament where it talks about tithing. Mm-hmm. Some use the term new Testament giving. You see Jesus where it was at the widow who gave all she had Mm -hmm. was it two mites or what have you, the small Mm -hmm. amount that she had, she gave everything. Um, It's it's a hard issue. Um, So, you know, those that subscribe to the view that, oh, you should give 10%. We also must remember that in the New Testament, uh, that is not um, stated.
0: Yeah, no, it's true and really the the crux of it is not about the money and i think jesus proves that with what he said about the the widow it's not about the money um and so when we see abraham tithing to melchizedek Mm -hmm. it's a statement that he's making not that melchizedek himself is necessarily um worthy of this but that whom Melchizedek represents the God of which he is a priest of right. is the one who gave him everything he has that's mm-hmm. what the point of that tithe is so um, in in our giving in our uh, tithing if you want to use that word again the 10 per- the percentage is not the important part yeah. in our giving in our New Testament giving in our um, it's important for us to be doing it with thanksgiving and, and remembrance of, of where this is all coming from. And it's in that giving in that um, joyful giving that, that we can be reminded uh, and, and blessed. And ultimately that's what ends up happening here uh, with Melchizedek and with, with, um, with Abraham, it says there that, that Melchizedek blesses Abraham. And uh, so I guess I had a third one I wanted to talk about, which is how did Melchizedek bless Abraham?
1: Yeah. Well, by the way, uh, isn't it where there's a, um, a loaf of bread and Mm -hmm. wine, Mm -hmm. which by the way, because that is a covenantal meal typically in scripture. And you think of the Lord's table, Mm-hmm. The body of Christ that's symbolized in the bread uh, broken for those who put their faith and trust in him and the wine, which, of course, is symbolic of the precious blood of Christ that was shed for the remission of sins uh, for those who had also come to faith in Christ.
0: Yeah, if you're uh, half listening right now while you're driving or something like that, uh, just flip back and, and replay that part, uh, because that's really big. That's a huge image in Melchizedek, huge image that that preaches what Melchizedek is talking about is whom he represents is uh, he brings out a loaf of bread and wine. And I mean, you've got Moses in the covenantal feast before God with the elders, um, which if you don't know about that, I believe that's Exodus 24. You should definitely read that and then read uh, the feast that or, or the covenantal feast that uh, Jesus has with the disciples um, there's a huge connection there huge connection when Jesus is talking about the blood of the new covenant he's directly referencing the blood of the old covenant which was done uh, on the mountain of Sinai. Um, but here we have uh, yet again this covenantal feast this is actually I guess not yet again this is the first time it happens um, yes. but but that's 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 a reference to, Uh, Christ for sure a reference to this
1: yeah yeah and by the way uh psalm uh 110 Mm -hmm. I encourage listeners to read the entire chapter the verse one the Lord says to the Lord to to my Lord sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool that's referenced elsewhere in scripture uh, Mm -hmm. as well you look at verse four the Lord has sworn and will not charge his mind you are a priest forever after the order of of melchizedek and uh, when you go to verse six now let's go to verse five the lord is at your right hand he will shatter kings on the day of his wrath he will execute judgment among the nations filling them with corpses he will shatter uh chiefs over the wide earth he will drink from the brook of the way therefore he will lift up his head Hmm. now this was either solomon or king david but this is Prophetic word about our Messiah, about Jesus yep. Christ, Psalm one hundred and ten.
0: Yep, and the other aspect to this bread and wine that he's bringing out is bread represents um, life, sustenance, giving of strength, endurance, mm-hmm. um, and and the wine represents joy, happiness, mirth, fulfillment, um, and and peace in in some regards as well. Um, where uh, I hate to, to necessarily bring up the reference, but in um, Native American cultures, you might have had a peace pipe.
1: <laughs>
0: um, in in these cultures, you know, sharing a cup of wine or sharing a meal was yes. that same sort of thing. If you did that, that was a that was a great act of of peacemaking of yes. of and, and so when he brings these out. Um, it's it's almost kind of a statement of of again referencing to what jesus would say i am the bread of life mm. you know he is um life abundantly he is our bread and wine he is our sustenance our joy our mirth our mm. um fulfillment um yeah. so uh, again those those sorts of images are brought up yeah. but anyways we shouldn't we should continue on um (laughs) we could spend all night on there so um but verse four see how great this man was to whom abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils and those descendants of levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people that is from the brothers though these also are descended from abraham but this man does not have his descent from them received tithes from abraham and blessed him who had who had the promises it is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior Mm. in the one case tithes are received by mortal men so that's talking about the levites in in the case of the levites they're received by mortal men but in the other case by one of whom it is testified that he lives one might even say that levi himself who receives tithes paid tithes through Abraham for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. So that's a very wordy section. (laughs) Um, It it really is. It can be confusing, but basically what he's saying is tithes were something that were given to someone who were superior than you, you were paying. uh, What's the word I'm looking for. Um, If if you were a conquered nation, tribute, tribute, that's the word I'm looking for. If you were a conquered nation, you would have to pay tribute to your superior. And so there's that aspect in this tithing that Abraham does here in the statement of superiority um, is, is he's almost paying tribute uh, to Melchizedek. And essentially what they're saying here is the Levites received it, but it was a commandment that they receive it. Um, And in a way, you might say that Levi, the father of the Levites, was giving a tithe to um, Malchizedek as well because he was still in the loins of his forefather, which is an, a fancy word of saying Abraham was his grandfather, so right uh, or great grandfather. Um, but anyways, so uh, <laughs> but uh, did you have any other thoughts on that one?
1: well uh, i was actually gonna you, you unintentionally stole my thunder but uh, i was gonna say about you know like what's what's stated right there verse seven um about the inferior is blessed by the superior um and um of course just like uh, melchizedek was superior to abraham christ is superior uh, to all he's yep. superior to moses to again abraham and and when we look at the king aspect I mean, scripture tells us that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father mm-hmm. there are those that say i will never bow to christ and oh yes they will everybody will redeemed or not um and you will either Uh, meet uh, God or you meet Jesus uh, as your savior or as your judge Mm -hmm. uh, one way or the other every knee will bow and will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord now as it pertains to the priest is we see that priests if I remember correctly they uh they served the people Mm-hmm. They weren't demanding to be served. Jesus Christ didn't come to, to be served, but to serve. And uh, they theirs was a business of butchering. Uh, and, and, and the part that I believe is correct as far as the fact that it was from, basically, I think sunrise to sundown, basically. And um, And so the serving aspect, they weren't demanding to be served. Again, Christ didn't demand to be served. And, uh, we oftentimes, uh, th- I, I, what comes to my mind is that on Sunday, we had a young, uh, a young lad, uh, by the name of Parker and about 10, nine, 10 years of age. And, um, and in Sunday school this past Sunday, prior to the baptism Uh, baptismal service, Um, his mom uh, was talking about how they were uh, at a restaurant somewhere, and Parker was just so excited. He was even sharing with the waitress Mm -hmm. about what Jesus had done for him, and I couldn't help but think, wow, here's this young man just recently been born into the family of God, become born again, and... He's just, he can't, you can't shut him up. He's so excited mm-hmm. to share it with people. And, um, and how that relates to some of us as saints who have um, lost maybe some of that zeal. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that we would never get over that. That we would never get over the, the fact that God, who we were, the Bible says, uh, by nature, children of wrath. We were heaping up ourselves every day, wrath on wrath and yet god has redeemed us uh, through the person of the second person of the trinity of jesus christ and oh again that we would not get over that and gloss over that that we would really yes we could never appreciate our salvation enough and our finite minds uh, never uh, fathom the depths of the riches of, of, of the grace of god uh, but oh that we would understand in a in a deeper way than we currently do mm-hmm. um, that we would just, just totally uh, relish yeah. in the grace of God and all oh, that would spur us on to, to live for him. Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, uh, on according to plan um, this, we're, we're going to end today right here, uh, which make, which will make this, I guess our, second two-part episode. Uh, And we will pick this up again next week in the second half of chapter seven. Uh, So thank you all for listening in. And uh, thank you, Luke, for being on the show today. And uh, we will catch up with the rest of you uh, next week. We pray here that uh, that you guys would have a blessed week and, and thanks for listening.